Hi, I'm Aaron from the Files Obscura podcast. Along with Vlad and Cece, we cover a variety of dark or obscure topics sure to pique your curiosity. We welcome you to join the conversation each week, whether we talk about theories to an unsolved case or speculate and discuss on more broad questions in life, such as future tech, the paranormal, or dark parts of your psyche. You can find new episodes every Tuesday on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to stay up to date, consider following our Twitter and Instagram page or join our Discord group. We can't wait to see you there. Crystal and I'm Elle and we are alternative interests and this is episode 12 already which is crazy to think about this episode um Elle has never actually heard of it I am going to tell the story of the Dybbuk box yeah I've never heard of this until she said have you heard of this and I was like nope (laughs) it's actually a really interesting story and I'll talk about it later but there's a movie based on it What's the movie called? The Possession. I probably haven't watched it. My family was really weird about me watching scary movies when I was younger. Yeah, my mom actually thought that uh, watching scary movies invited the devil and bad spirits into the That's house. That's what my mom thought mm-hmm. and was always like, my dad didn't care. My dad would always, but my dad would just never be around. Okay, let's go. <laughs> yep. So first of all, the, the story I'm telling is is called the Dybbuk box. Box is, it's not exactly a box. It's a wine cabinet. And until I found a picture of this thing, I was thinking of like a big, like China hutch looking thing. That's what came into my mind. It's actually a really small, it looks almost like a box. It's small, like a box, but it looks almost like something you would like the size of boxed wine. It's really small. Okay. So, like, it's a wine. Okay. They call it a wine cabinet, but mm-hmm. it's pretty small, so that's why it's okay. called the Dybbuk box. Okay, that makes sense, because at first I was picturing, like, a uh, music box, and then I was picturing a big china hutch, and now I'm picturing a good in-the-middle-size wine box thing. Yeah, it's it's a little bit bigger than boxed wine, is yeah. what it looks like, and it has doors that open up, and it's pretty cool... One of the owners of it described that it was made really, really well, mm-hmm. that when you open the doors, there was um, like a little drawer that would open up or like a small compartment that would open with the doors opening. So it was made really, really oh, well. Oh, fancy. So the first owner of this box, or at least the first owner in America, was a man named Kevin Manis, and he owned and ran an antique store in Portland, Oregon. I didn't realize that this was centered in Portland again, just like our last two episodes were. Portland, man. (laughs) But he he would frequently look at like online estate sales to pick up stuff for his shop. It makes sense. He bought a lot from a deceased Holocaust survivor, which (gasps) sounds really cool. That does actually. So the woman's granddaughter kind of explained that her grandmother had been in a Polish concentration camp. She was the only member of her family to survive the Holocaust. And it's because she and a group of she and a group of prisoners in the concentration camp actually ended up escaping to Spain. And when she was in Spain, she 
bought this wine cabinet before immigrating to America. Okay. So the granddaughter said that as a little girl, she remembered that this box was always kept like up in a place she couldn't reach it. And when she would ask her grandma about it, her grandma would spit three times and say that it was never to be opened. And she called it a dibic and a kisilum. So I'll go into what a dibic is later on in the story. Okay. I could not actually find a translation for the word kisilim. From what I could find, it looks like it's a Turkish word. And the word itself means cut it or hold it, like hold on kind of thing. Like there were a bunch of mm -hmm. contextual examples of where to use this word. And it looks like the word is, it's, it's like a hold it right there kind of thing. I guess her grandmother had said she wanted to be buried with this box when she died but it go that goes against the traditional orthodox jewish burial rituals so they actually did not bury it with her oh no like, yeah bad juju's right there well you so this this actually comes up later in a really interesting like side note that i have and i'll address it then because it's really interesting that she wanted to be buried with it okay okay so the granddaughter claimed that she didn't know what a dibic was. Like Kevin was asking, you're calling it a dibic box because that's what her grandmother referred to it as. Mm -hmm. And the granddaughter was like, yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't and know what so, that is either. <laughs> well, Kevin was like, you know, obviously this has a great story tied to it with uh -huh. your grandmother and her escape. Do you want this back? She was like, no, no, you bought it. You paid for it. It's yours. And he was like, no, you don't understand. I don't want my money back. But obviously this means something to you and your family. I just want to do something nice. And I don't want you to feel like if you're struggling. I think from his point of view, mm -hmm. he was thinking these people must be struggling for money to pay off the estate, obviously, of yeah. their 102-year-old grandmother that passed away. Oh, hey. Which is generally why estate sales happen. Usually it's to sell the estate to pay for expenses. Yeah. He just wanted to do something nice and give them back this piece of family history. The granddaughter got so upset and she kept insisting, this is yours. You made a deal. I don't want it. We don't want this. And she got so upset, she actually ended up crying and she told Kevin to get out of her house and she like stormed away that's really weird right that is that doesn't seem normal for a box yeah to get that upset over it a box somebody trying to give you the box which makes me think that she knew exactly what a dipic was yeah so uh when are you gonna tell me what a dipic is <laughs> later on in the story damn it <laughs> because things happen and after that i will tell you what is oh god up with the box so he ended up taking this box back to the basement of his shop uh, and when he saw basements. well when he saw the box he actually decided that this was the perfect birthday present for his mother oh no and you you kind of squeed at the basement i hate basements well apparently this basement was just like normal 
like people who worked in the shop said that they were so comfortable in that basement that they could literally go down there with no lights and find their way around and they never felt uncomfortable it was just a storage place and it was no big deal okay so but was it a big deal after that box went down there uh we'll get to that oh god it was this is why i have fears of basements (laughs) it's not really a fear i just don't like dark places and basements are just essence dark and damp well so because this was part of his business it wasn't dark it was Mm. think of it as a below ground storage room so there was tons of lights yeah but it's that below ground i don't think i could ever be like in a tunnel okay it's weird it's a dark thing okay okay so when he had gotten this box it was actually sealed shut with a brass lock Mm-hmm. And the lock had never been opened. The granddaughter said that it was really important. So she, when she gave this to Kevin, she made a really big deal that her grandmother said to never open this box. And she did not want it open. So after they had been talking and Kevin realized that, you know, this, she wants me to take this. He offered, do you want to be there when I open it? She And that's kind of when she freaked out and told him to leave because she was saying, my grandmother said not to open this for a reason, man. So if your grandma told you not to, I know grandmas can be somewhat superstitious sometimes. Yeah, and like a little psycho. All grandmas are. Um, And if they aren't, they're not fun enough. (laughs) Yeah, if if your grandma is not scaring the willies out of you with some creepy story, then... What kind of grandma is that? Anyway, but like... Uh, why would you not take... I feel like it, it would be like the family thing, like the box getting passed down generations after my grandma scared me into never opening up a box. And you, their story would just be, don't open the box. Well, you'll see why they wanted to get rid of the box. <sighs> so he takes it down to his basement and he breaks open the lock. No, don't open the box. <laughs> Inside the box, there was... On the on the back panel on the inside there was an engraving oh, no. in Hebrew. <gasps> it was actually just like it was uh their most common prayer. Okay. So it was kinda like the Lord's Prayer is a really common prayer in uh for Catholics and most Christians. It was like their version of that. It was just a really quick prayer. Okay. Online, I saw that this is not a weird thing, that a lot of Jewish families will have, like, a keepsake box like this, and it'll have Jewish prayers inscribed on it just because it's so important to their, like, their culture. The other stuff in the box is not as friendly. So he found two 1920s pennies. How are those not friendly? Well, that's... There's more. (laughs) Okay. He found a lock of blonde hair bound with a cord. That's some, like, weird. He found a lock of dark brown or black hair bound with a cord. A small statue, and I couldn't I couldn't find what the statue was, but it was a small statue engraved, again, with Hebrew. And the word was shalom. It's their greeting, their version of, like, hello. hello. A small gold wine goblet. A single dried rosebud. And a wrought iron candlestick with four octopus-shaped legs. This seems like some, like, witch uh, trying to right? keep something keep something where it's supposed to be. And right. It, not... it seems like that kind of stuff. It's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This is... This ain't looking good for this guy. Kevin. So, Stop. apparently Kevin didn't think much of this. 
Okay. And he just kind of left it all in the box. He sets the box aside uh, so he can refinish it and work on it for his mom. Okay. One day, shortly after this box shows up in their basement, Kevin's assistant, Jane, was in the basement tidying up for the day. Oh, no. Just before opening the store. Again, she said she never felt uncomfortable in the basement. It was just another area of the shop. And while she was down there, she heard the sound of glass breaking and someone screaming. Like, someone shouting profanities. So she freaks out. She calls Kevin, and she's terrified. She says that someone locked the door. She can't get out of the basement. What? And someone is in the basement with her smashing things. And from her point of view, she thought it was someone with, like, a baseball bat that was just, like, smashing the inventory of their shop. So Kevin races over. When he gets there, he finds Jane outside of the basement in the main shop, but she's, like, crouching on the floor, and she's hysterical. He goes down to the basement door, which is this big, heavy door, and it's locked. Mm -hmm. And he opens it up, he goes inside, and the lights aren't working. So he goes, he hunts down a flashlight, he goes back down to the basement. No! He sees all the light bulbs in the basement have been shattered, and they're all over the floor. So, like, he had the the tube fluorescent lights. He had a bunch of those lighting the basement. All of them had been smashed, and they were all over the floor. You know what kind of basement I'm picturing? The one in You, the the show where it's, like, there's the... um, Oh, yeah. The library, and then you go down, because he has, like, the door that, like, locks. Yeah. It's gigantic, because at first I was picturing a little one. And then I was like, no, this is a bigger one. It's it's a pretty significant one because it's, it's the a basement for a store. Okay. That so, yeah. But, oh, gosh. But all of it smashed. Apparently, none of the actual items down there were smashed. So he goes back upstairs to talk to Jane and she's just gone. What? She ran out of the store and she never came back. Like, she basically quit that day. I would, too. And according to Kevin, like, to this day, she refuses to talk about what happened. Like, aside from the phone call where she called him saying she needed help, she won't talk to anyone about what happened that day. Probably because she thinks she'll sound crazy or bring on bad jujus. Yeah. So, Kevin ultimately blames Jane for what? everything being smashed. He's He couldn't see any other explanation. He was like, it... Jane must have gone crazy and just smashed up all the lights. She said that she was locked in the basement, but then she was upstairs. Somehow she found her way out. There's like, that's, that's what I'm saying. She won't talk about what happened. So the whole timeline and like the details of how she ended up getting out of the basement, even though she said she was locked in, Mm -hmm. aren't really clear. Well, I mean, okay. Cause let's say you can. It locks from the outside. Okay. Nope. Uh-uh. All yeah. right. Nope. <laughs> or I guess it locks. You cannot lock the basement from the inside. You lock it from inside the store outside the basement. Uh, so that's why I say it's not really clear how she made it out of the basement because she won't talk about it. I'm already done with this. <laughs> so... This is why I don't go in basements. So finally, Kevin takes a better look at this box and he realizes that he actually doesn't need to do a whole lot of work to it. Like the box itself is in really good shape. Oh, that's what he's not that there's locks of hair in it. And, you know, <laughs> apparently weird, he doesn't shit. care about this. <laughs> so 
he takes it to his mother or it's so there, your mom. there were two different stories one story said he took it to his mother and the other said that he was at his store and his mother came to the store so regardless of where his mother got the box he gave the box to his mom and then he had to step away to make a phone call and that's why i think it happened at his store while he was away making a phone call one of his employees came running up to him and saying hey your mom needs help he goes back to his mom and she like mouth wide open eyes wide open tears streaming down her face she had had a stroke like just standing there yeah and so as a result of this they got her to the hospital um as with most strokes she suffered suffered partial paralysis and she actually wasn't able to talk for a while but they used one of those letter boards so she could point out letters and spell out things to communicate uh-huh. with her family one of the first things she said to kevin was no gift and yeah, he no. thought he thought she'd lost some of her memory and he was like no mom remember i gave you that really pretty box and so she spells out hate gift and he took this as a joke he's like you know i'm sorry i didn't i thought you would like it i'll get you something else yeah get rid of that box he still doesn't recognize that there's something wrong with this box i was gonna say why is nothing happening to him with this box so because uh yeah i'll mention it now apparently so it was almost like nothing was happening to him because he wasn't in direct contact with it. Like, it was in his shop, but it wasn't at his house. And when his mom, when it was given to his mom, it was like she was, I don't know. It it just seems weird. Eventually, he does have stuff happen. Okay, because I was like, it's because he opened it, and so it was all like, oh, I'll leave you alone because you, like, released me. Yeah, no. So Kevin ends up giving the box to his sister. Oh God! And because I mean, he has this box. He may as well give it to some. He wants to give it as a gift. He didn't want to sell it because I he it wasn't mentioned anywhere. But it's almost like he felt like the history behind the box. It would be wrong to sell it and profit off of it. Mm-hmm. He wanted to give it to someone, so, which makes sense. I feel like in my situation, I would probably feel the same. That like I don't know if I had two people have about it. I had two people have bad experiences with the said box. I'd probably be like, uh, no. He doesn't recognize that it's the box, though. Okay. So when he gives it to his sister, she ends up returning it within a week. And she is complaining because the doors won't stay shut. For whatever reason, she can't get the doors to stay shut. They keep opening up. At least that's her only problem. (laughs) Well, Kevin said that there was nothing wrong with the doors. So when it came back to him, he didn't know what was wrong with it at her house and he's like the doors work just fine i don't know what you're talking about Mm. so then he gives it to his brother and the brother's wife no and they give it back after three days yeah good on them because the brother said that it smelled like jasmine flowers but the wife said it smelled like cat urine and she didn't want it in the house okay now, until this point, Kevin hadn't had it occur to him that while the box was in his basement, the basement smelled like cat urine. And they didn't have any cats. 
That's weird. And it's it's like that strong ammonia smell yeah. is what he was smelling. That's gross. So at that point, he had run out of people to gift this thing to. So he ends up selling it to a older couple. And one day he comes back to his shop and the box was sitting with a note on like in front of the door and it was from the couple and it said that the box had an odd darkness about it and they didn't want it. Okay. So right after this, he has his sister and brother and the brother's wife over to spend the night with him. And the next morning they all have breakfast together and I guess his brother's wife was talking about this nightmare she had the night before. Just friendly breakfast conversation. Oh, how did mm-hmm. everyone sleep? She just talk- starts talking about this nightmare of this old withered hag just beating her up. And Kevin and his brother and sister all go, wait, what? Because all three of them had had the exact same dream. What? And they all realized that they all had the same nightmare when they were in possession of the box. Ugh. So Kevin decided to put the box in storage because he didn't want to give it to anyone else, but he didn't know what to do with it. He had to figure out what to do with it. Mm-hmm. He said that he was like legitimately terrified of destroying it because of how this it was affecting him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why he didn't just dump it somewhere. Yeah, if it's only affecting you if you're in possession of it but if you dump it somewhere technically it's still your property so i don't know if that would still yeah he needs to lock it up so he started talking about how he was seeing shadow figures in his peripheral vision visitors to his house would see shadows around his house one night the storage unit so the storage unit he had it in was like off the back of his house Oh, no. One night, the smoke alarm in the storage unit went off. When he went inside, he could, like, he smelled the the ammonia and he smelled smoke, but there was nothing there to make the alarm go off. That's creepy. So at this point, he actually writes an eBay post to Mm -hmm. sell this Mm -hmm. box. And in the eBay post, you can actually find the entire post archived online. He details everything that happened to him from the time he bought it, how he bought it, the story that went with it, to all the crazy stuff he was seeing. And it ended with Friday the 13th of June was shortly before he put it on eBay. And that was like the last thing that happened is he came home this day and all 10 fish in his aquarium were dead. And that's what made him sell the box. Well, he had already been thinking about it at that point, but that was just like the one more thing that had happened. Like all this bad stuff is happening to him. And it was just like the one more thing that happened. So now that all this stuff is happening to him, I can tell you what a Dybbuk is. Oh, thanks. I've been sitting here wondering. (laughs) So the the word Dybbuk comes from a Hebrew word meaning to cling. So... What a Dybbuk is, is that in Jewish mythology, it's a malevolent spirit. So what they believe is, I saw two different things. I saw that it was the wandering soul of a dead person that wasn't able to cross over. Mm -hmm. Or it was a demon that clings to the soul of the living. So. And kills fish. 
<laughs> well, so their their main purpose is to torture people. Like that's what they want. It's they're a demon. And demons aren't alive. They want to inhabit something living. Yeah. So that's what they do is they, they cling on to the soul of a living person and they just torment that person. That's horrible. So this Dybbuk box is therefore a box that had a Dybbuk sealed inside. So there's actually later on the cousin of the grandmother actually shed some light on this Dybbuk box. Okay. So Kevin puts this box up on eBay. Mm-hmm. And granted, this I, on the archived version, there's this really cool story. Not story. It's someone responded to the post. Yeah. And I just want to read that it's a creepy no it's it's really interesting so there's this ebay post that kevin is detailing everything that happened with him in the box yeah and this all happened i believe in 2004 okay it happened quite a while ago and in 2012 someone responded on the archived version of this because it is archived somewhere and her response is really interesting. So the response is, and I'm going to read it. The haunted Dybbuk box is simply a spiritual servitor created a long time ago to carry out simple or complicated tasks for its owner. These tasks could be as benevolent as bringing good luck to business or as malevolent as bringing harm to others' businesses, their families, or their personal lives. When the owner dies, the Dybbuk should be buried with them to symbolize a release of this intelligent energy or spiritual intelligence back into the ether. So that's really important that it wasn't buried with the grandmother. Oh. Because the Dybbuk belonged to the grandmother. And so it should have been buried buried with her. Continuing to read... The response, it says, it is sad that the Dybbuk is being traded around like a baseball card as it should have been honored and buried with its owner. I know this because the offerings that are usually given to a Dybbuk is to symbolize the ownership. The lock of hair in the box is to symbolize the spirit of the person that owns it and who it works for. The two pennies in the box symbolize payment for a good job. Okay. So that was the response to the e- the eBay post. I thought it was really interesting. It's also interesting that this came out in 2012 after the movie came out. And it's the only place that this sort of information is seen. Basically, it's, it's similar to how you were saying it was like a witchy kind of box. Yeah. That it was someone put this all together and they owned and controlled the Dybbuk. And now that the owner is dead and the Dybbuk is being traded around, it's it's angry. Yeah, that makes sense. I couldn't find it anywhere else, though. But it's it's a really cool perspective to take on this. Mm-hmm. So a man, actually a college student named Sam, was ultimately the one that bought the box. 
and I guess he and his roommate had seen the post and they had both like joked about it. Yeah. One day his roommate comes home and was immediately hit with the smell of ammonia in the house. And he kind of came around the corner and there is Sam with the box. Oh. So the two of them were actually kind of making a joke of it because they didn't believe the story. They thought no. that the eBay post was, was a joke. Yeah, they thought it was just this kind of fun thing that someone did. College kids. They thought the eBay post was something to encourage people to buy it because yeah. people love stories like that. So they didn't think anything was going to happen, but almost immediately their electronics in the house started failing. Sam's laptop died. He had to replace it. Just about every day, some kind of electronic in the house would die. Mm -hmm. Light bulbs would burn out. And one morning, Brian actually woke up with, like, heavily bloodshot eyes. Like, he woke up and his eyes were blood red. Oh, God. And they were actually starting to find bugs all over the house. No! They were concentrated on this box, but they were everywhere in the house. So, wait sidebar i mean not sidebar with the box is there a way to make you the owner of the box so that's kind of why i'm i'm not i don't quite believe that response it's a really interesting take on it mm -hmm. but i don't think that's how it works i think it's the box is a place to trap something evil and it was opened and now the evil is out yeah that makes yeah that makes more sense because if it was locked okay so Sam actually started a blog to chronicle all of his experiences. I tried to find the blog. I couldn't find it. Apparently, this was a pretty well-known blog at the time, though. So Sam actually started trying to get rid of the box. There was a man named Jason Haxton, who was a director of a local medical museum, mm -hmm. who had actually seen Sam's blog. Yeah. So when Sam wanted to get rid of the box, this guy already kind of knew the whole story behind it. And he was really interested in figuring out if there was like a scientific reason that people were being affected by this box. Scientists. So Jason ended up buying the box for double what Sam paid for it. So Jason ended up paying $280 for this box. He did some tests on it to check for any kind of contaminants. Yeah. But he found nothing. Except for some wax stripped off the front of the box. And he said it almost looked like it had been part of some sort of ritual based on the wax stripped on the front. Uh-huh. So within days of bringing this box to the museum, they started having issues with their electronics. Oh. Their computers started crashing and weeks worth of work would be wiped off the computers. About the box? No. Just, About just anything? Yeah. Oh, man, I'd be pissed. <laughs> so their light bulbs started burning out and museum staff started coming down with mysterious illnesses just out of nowhere. This box. So apparently the powers that be decided that the box was no longer welcome at the museum. So Jason took it and put it in his trunk. Of course. As soon as Jason puts it in his trunk, he starts having nightmares of hags beating him in his sleep. Very similar to Kevin and his family. Can we go bury this with the, the grandma? <laughs> nope, because she's already buried. We can unbury her and rebury her, right? I think that there's issues with that in Jewish 
Sorry, Jewish people. Traditions. Fine. They're very specific about their burial timelines and the stuff that goes with it. Um, One night, Jason was watching TV with his son. And his son saw something. So when Jason kind of looked over, there was this huge black figure standing behind his son. Nope. Out. Leave. Get the... Nope. (laughs) So now Jason has not had the box as long as other people did. But he's smarter because he figures out he needs to seal this stupid box. Yeah, I was going to say. So he takes it away from his house. He's actually, I think he's probably the smartest guy so far. (laughs) He had a rental property that was currently vacant. So he took it to the basement of that house and left it there until he could figure out what to do with it. He came home and I guess he took like a ritual bath to cleanse himself. I I didn't see what he did. He must have Googled something and figured out some kind of bath he could take. Yeah. Well, it didn't work. Oh. Because immediately after he finished bathing, he felt like something was stabbing him in the stomach and he started vomiting mucus. Oh, gross. At the same time, his wife wife was actually outside and saw like a bloody patch of poison ivy. It was... That part of the story was a little bit weird. I don't know what that has anything to do with it, but like she she was experiencing something the same time he was vomiting. That's weird. So he decided to call Kevin, um, the original guy who owned yeah. it, and get some more information. So Kevin ended up meeting with Sophie, who was the cousin of the grandmother that mm-hmm. uh, that passed away. Sophie told them the story of this seance that she conducted. Of course. So I guess when they were growing up and they were young, like seances were like all the rage. So Uh. one of them actually embroidered a Ouija board onto a piece of satin and they were using that to conduct a seance. They say that this Dybbuk was trying to possess them and trying to force them to bring it across into the world and what ended up happening is they brought it across but they immediately sealed it in the box and so that is what happened with the box being sealed shut and the wax being dripped across it and that's why the grandmother was so adamant that no one opened this box why can't people be like just straightforward with things like that like hey did something stupid um there's a demon in that box don't open it you would think an old woman saying not to open it would be enough but apparently we don't respect our elders yep nope we don't (laughs) so jason used this information to contact a rabbi and the rabbi used the information from like the seance story to help him reseal it i didn't hear exactly how they resealed it but this is at this point jason actually sold the rights to his story and everything that had happened with him and it got turned into the 2012 movie the possession Mm -hmm. and i think when you actually watch the movie it says based on true events yeah so After it was sealed, Jason actually ended up giving the box to another museum owner in Las Vegas. (laughs) And I got a lot of my information off of a website for 
a paranormal show and I don't remember which one it was at this point. And I, I feel <laughs> that it was paranormal investigator, I think. Oh, um, okay. And that episode aired in 2012 and it said that the box hadn't bothered anyone for several years. Several years. The box cursed Post Malone. Cursed Post Malone? Yep. So, apparently, Post Malone was on the TV show Ghost Adventures, and the host of that show, Zach Bagans, actually owns the museum that got the box. Okay. What did so, Post Malone do to the box? Well, I guess Post Malone went with him to go see the box, because he was interested in it, and so Zach Bagans decides to... It was covered in plexiglass like the clear plexiglass to kind of keep it safe he decides to take the cover off and touch the box with post malone there so there's actually there's a videotape of this somewhere of this guy taking the cover off the box and touching the box and at the same time he touches the box he actually has his hand on post malone's shoulder and he thinks that that was enough that the spirit within the box traveled through him and to Post Malone. Okay. So within two months, Post Malone started having this whole string of bad luck. And he says that he thinks it was because he was cursed by this Dybbuk. So on August 21st, 2000, I think it was 17, uh-huh. his private plane had to make an emergency landing because the tires blew off. That's okay. He was on his way to England from New Jersey, and he actually ended up having to make an emergency landing in New York. On August 1st, three armed robbers broke into his former house. Like, he had recently sold this house. When they broke in, they were screaming at the owner saying, where's Post Malone? So it was like, it was obvious they were looking for him. Mm-hmm. And the owners had to tell them, the, like, like, he moved out. We don't know him. And on September 7th, Post Malone was in a really serious car accident where his assistant was driving and he was in the passenger seat. And the assistant hit another car, hit a fence, and then ended up in some bushes. Thankfully, no one was hurt. But at that point, Post Malone's like, I think God hates me. And his whole genius plan was to go back to the Divic box and touch it again to try and give the spirit back <laughs> okay I, I don't I tried to find if there was a resolution to this and it's like there's a ton of stories about how Post Malone believes he was cursed by a Divic box yeah. and this whole three instances of bad lucks within the two weeks but there's no follow-up on it. So, apparently, he's not cursed anymore. He's doing pretty good for himself. I was going to say, he hasn't wrote a song about it, so... Uh... Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that that was Post Malone's story. And, wow. And uh, I think this box is still at that Las Vegas museum. Let's not go. <laughs> but, I don't know. What do you think? Do you believe the story? Just because I believe in weird crap like that, I can. But then, it, hmm. People make up stories all the time. 
Yeah, so, I mean, in Jewish folklore, a dybbuk is a real thing. It exists. A dybbuk box has never existed until this story came out. And I think it's just because until then, no one had had a story of trapping a dybbuk anywhere. It was more about, like, exercising them. There's a lot of stories of exorcisms. But one of the articles I was looking at said that it was all it seemed like a conspiracy theory that it was almost like the stories of the dybbuk and the exercising mm-hmm. was stories to make the rabbi look good because apparently only like the most uh the most holy and devout rabbis can really exercise a dybbuk so this one article said that it was almost like if a rabbi wanted to make himself look good, he would fabricate a story of a dybbuk and then go do an exorcism to make himself look really good. Yeah, which makes sense. But, like, it being in a box and, like, how old were they when they did this seance thing to trap it in a box? How did they know how to trap it in the box? That's where I'm just like, wait a second. I feel like that takes a little bit of, like, premeditated thought about how to trap. Right, and because... They were obviously into occult stuff. They must have done some kind of research. Yeah. And there was another article I found about how to identify a legitimate Dybbuk box. <gasps> because if you go on Etsy, people are trying to sell Dybbuk boxes. I would never own one. <laughs> so many of them look so fake. Probably. But the article said things like... If there's wax dripped on the front, it's probably a fake box because stories of this original box include stories of wax being dripped on the front. So people trying to make their boxes look more authentic will drip wax on the front. Then how do you know it's a real one? They said the only way to tell is when you open it. And if you're assaulted with the smell of ammonia or jasmine, that's how you tell if it's a real box. So I already have to, like, put myself at harm's way to figure out if I have an authentic box. Pretty much. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for the... I had to spend all this money now on Etsy trying to find a legit box. People are actually really split on whether they think this is real or not. So I would be interested in... If anyone has a story about the box yeah any kind of haunting because i love paranormal stories i love paranormal paranormal nope can't say it supernatural stories too (laughs) i think they're fun i just don't want them happening to me ever ever i've had enough stuff happen to me that like it's kind of freaky at the time but then it's kind of like whatever like in this in my apartment right now i'm pretty sure i've got someone in here yeah no i mean I've grown up enough with people, like, around me who have dealt with it, and me personally. I think, like, the few times that I've had, I'm just, like, noping, noping, saging everything and doing everything to get rid of it. I don't care. Yeah, so the one in my apartment right now, Taryn and I were actually sitting on the couch that's behind you, and from, for everyone who's not in my apartment, from my couch, you can actually see an armoire in my bedroom, and... The magnets on that armor are pretty strong. Like, you, it takes a pretty decent tug to get the doors open. While he and I were sitting on the couch talking about the ghost, one of the doors popped open. 
Can we not talk about the ghost? Because I really don't want one of those to open because I know how heavy. Well, you you had me one time. When it yeah. was like one of the first times I came over, you had me open it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you, yeah. I'm okay. We're done. Well, we were joking. <laughs> we were joking about it. And I was like, oh, he just needs a little room to breathe. He's fine. Uh. But I don't think I ever told you this. So in this apartment, again, um, I was going on a work trip out of town. Oh, God. And Taryn was out of the house. I think he was at <gasps> no, work No, and then day. your landlord heard something. Okay, we're done talking about it because I'm getting like... <laughs> So I have like par- like paranoia almost in a way, yeah. I feel like. And I don't know if I've always had this or it's just developed extremely as I've gotten older. Uh, so I start like, I don't know. Nope, it's kicking in. So we need to stop. Okay. <laughs> this is why I can't do this. That's the end of the episode, guys. <laughs> we can talk about other people. We just can't happen if I'm in the room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he doesn't have a name. We haven't really named him. We don't need to name if it if he doesn't get named, it's not a thing. <laughs> you know, it would be so cool. Nope. Because we have microphones going. What Stop! No, <laughs> I'm done. If we ever have, if you ever text me and said said anything about hearing something on our microphones, I'm just never coming over ever no, again. No, I'm totally putting it in the episode if it happens. Oh God, guys, save me. <laughs> um, Please follow and subscribe to us. Please share us with your friends. Yeah, please. And then, you know, others can help save me from Crystal's ghost if it happens. I'm really excited. I hope something happens. That would be kind of cool. No, no, no. Okay. Well, rate and and subscribe. Tell us what you think about specifically the Dybbuk box because I like people's theories about this. And if you think it's real or not. Oh, yeah. And, and share any spooky stories you have. Cause yes. I love those. Spooky. I love spooky stories. And like when people experience weird stuff, I just don't like it happening to me. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> it's just I like other people experiencing life. I will live vicariously through all of you. <laughs> all right. Well, we will talk to you next time, guys. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>